Right. I'm going to start. Ah, Antonor. See you, man. All right. So um, welcome to, for those, for adults who are here, welcome to high school. Welcome back. Um, are there any adults here? Yeah, totally. I know. The ladies look so young. They look like they're seniors in high school, right? Um, anyhow, don't, don't edit that out, Charles. No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray for us and we'll get started. All right, Jesus, thanks for loving us. Thanks for dying for our sins. And thank you for um, dwelling in us and with us in Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I, um, Lord, you have such a, a great desire um, for us and for your people, for, for your world. And, um, and Lord, we pray that, our, that we would have a passion for your passion, God. And pray that this lesson would be clear. And um, I pray that it would be exciting, God. And I uh, trust you with these things. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, the next, next, three, next three Sunday school sessions, which we have Sunday school this week, then there's no Sunday school next week because it's confirmation. And then two weeks from now... Sorry. Yeah, two weeks from now and three weeks from now, we'll, um, we're going to be doing a class called The Mission of God. And, um, and, and high school and junior high kids, I'm going to teach this probably more, more, uh, more like an adult class. Um, but I think, hopefully I think it'll be interesting still. Um, but, uh, but so normally we, we don't teach more than like 20, 22 minutes for senior high. We're going to teach a little bit longer than that. There's just a lot of content. But basically, the bottom line of what we're going to be talking about is um, what, like, what is God's mission in the whole Bible? Like, what is the, what is the point? Um, and so, and Bethany Rushing, we're going to do a pageant wave. There you go. Bethany, uh, she is um, our director of outreach here at the church. So in terms of foreign missions, ministry with the poor, things related to social justice, all, all kind of all of these kinds of things related to, to Christian mission, she oversees and leads. And so, um, so she and I are going to be teaching together, and I'll kind of do the, um, the Bible part, and she'll jump in with a lot of the uh, kind of practical and, and just overall commentary. So, uh, so anyhow, so to start, let me ask you guys this. High school students or junior high students, in your English class, when you talk about the main idea of a book or of a movie... Um, what is that? What is the term? What is the term that your teacher uses? Theme. Good job. Theme, right? And so, you know, when we're talking about how many people here have seen a Harry Potter movie? Raise that hand. Okay, so when we're talking about Harry Potter, like, what would be some themes in the movie? Good versus evil. Good versus evil. That's great. How about another one? Yes, Hunter. Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I have it in my notes. Yeah, awesome. So you can see there are these there are these themes. You could say you know, friendship. Um, you know, you could say like transcendence, like you know, going from what, going back and forth between the real world and into this magical world. And so there are these themes that run throughout these uh, seven movies. And so um, if you count the last two as one, which I do. Anyhow, so. Um, so with that being said, in the Bible, you have the similar kind of thing. When you look at the whole Bible, something that people try to do is they try to identify what you call a meta-narrative. And a meta-narrative is just a fancy way, um, a fancy way of saying like a storyline or a theme. 
It's the kind of word that people like me use to justify their seminary education. <laughs> but anyhow, um, uh, but yeah, so meta narratives is basically like what is the main story going through the Bible? And so there, there, you know, there's no one perfect meta narrative. Um, there are there are several very good meta narratives. Um, and so uh, people can kind of get in trouble when they try to say like, no, 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 covenant is the only meta narrative. But so a few examples of these kind of themes or meta narratives in the Bible are one is covenant. You see that God makes a covenant of life with Adam and Eve, and then he makes a covenant of grace with them after they sin, then he makes a covenant with Noah um, after the flood, he makes a covenant with uh, Abraham, and then there's a covenant with David, and there's a new covenant in the, in the New Testament. And so some people say that covenant is the main theme. It's the, uh, it's, it's the, it's the primary meta narrative of the Bible. Some other people say law versus gospel is the main idea, like the main storyline that runs the Bible. Um, other people say kingdom. That's that's it. That, that to me, that's my favorite, is kingdom. Um, and so anyhow, so these are these are meta narratives. Now, going back to going back to Harry Potter, um, you know, uh, Hunter said that friendship. Let me get back to. Said that friendship is a theme, but there's also a mission in Harry Potter. There's a theme that is directly related to. Um, there's a there's a there's a theme that's directly related to the mission. Like, um, what would you say, and, and you don't have to have a perfect answer for this, but what would you say is, like, the mission in Harry Potter? What are they trying to do? From, you know, kind of from beginning to end. It's so hot in here, sorry. <laughs> um, we'll say this. So someone said good versus evil is the main theme. Who, what's the problem, and, or who is the problem in the, in the stories? Hunter? Voldemort, that's right. And so what is it that... Um, Harry is kind of trying to do. Well, Hunter. Yes, defeat. Yes, exactly. And because Voldemort is turning the magical world to darkness, he's turning it towards evil and wickedness. And so the you know that's kind of the struggle that runs throughout all seven um, of the of the, the the books is this you know battle between good and evil. Um, but it's played out, the story plays out um, with Harry trying to conquer and defeat Voldemort. That's kind of the mission or the purpose, okay? Well, when we read the Bible, um, when we read the Bible, there's, uh, there's a similar thing going on. Um, there is a missional meta narrative. Um, it, it's, it's basically it's a missions based meta narrative. There's a point, there's something that they're trying to accomplish in the Bible. All right, so. Who is, you know, in, in Harry Potter, the hero is Harry. <laughs> this is kind of no duh, but in the Bible, who is kind of the main character, the hero? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, or we can even say God. But, uh, you know, Jesus, everything's kind of pointing up towards this hero, Jesus, who comes in the New Testament. Um, but this battle, is, this, this, you know, um, this, this mission is still going on from the beginning. Um, and what is the problem? Who would, who, what is the problem... You know, we said that Harry's trying to solve the problem of Voldemort and evil. What's the problem that God, through Jesus, is trying to solve? So go ahead, you're you're on it. Yes, sin has separated us from God. That's exactly right. Does anybody know where in the Bible the problem begins? Yes. Oh, sorry. Exactly, Genesis three, right at the beginning. So you know, in any story, the problem is introduced early on. You know, because the story, uh, you know, kind of follows the problem, and 
and so on and so forth. Uh, the tension, if you will. Well, in the Bible, sin is the problem. And so um, God is dealing with the problem of sin, the problem of the fall, um, and, and ultimately he, he, he wins and conquers it through the person of Jesus Christ. And so with that being said, um, God has a mission in the Bible. And so we go to the next one, honey. Uh, sorry, I keep on going. My bad. Uh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Go back to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get to that in a second. But we're gonna. I'll tell you. Would someone mind handing these out? Um, my two private school friends. Y'all mind handing those out? I'll, I'll hold on to. Two. They get great. Thank you. All right. So we're gonna look at what God's mission is through this chart here. And this uh, this chart, it's it, it kind of divides the story of the whole Bible into four sections. It starts out before the fall with creation. And we can see how the world is before creation. Um, communion, harmony, it's whole, it's perfect. And we're looking at we're looking at how the world is in terms of how it was spiritually, how it is relationally, how it is personally, how it is physically, how it is socially. Okay? And so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at God's mission before the fall. Because here's the thing God had a mission before the fall. It doesn't just start with the fall, but the fall does alter God's approach to the mission. Um, and so, next. Um, sorry, actually go back one more. Just to kind of, I, I went over this a little too quick. So we have creation, which is, you know, God creates the world, everything's perfect. Then there's the fall. Okay, that's kind of the next category. Um, and that's after Adam and sin, and we know all the, the effects of the fall. And we'll get into that a little more in a, in a bit. Then we have uh, redemption, which really, the fall and redemption are kind of going on together. But redemption is all pointing towards Jesus. You see that cross in the tree. And then glorification is when everything is made perfect. When Jesus returns, heaven and earth merge, and the earth is perfect, actually even better than it was in the garden. So we're going to go through these categories. So starting in the first one is creation. First section is creation, uh, sorry, mission in creation. Mission at the very beginning, okay? Can I have a reader? Someone, I know this, this print's kind of small, so if you can't read, that's okay. if you can't find a reader, that's okay. But would anybody mind reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31? Contextually, this is the beginning God makes man, all right? He's made the whole earth. He's made you know, the stars in the sky. He's made the birds. He's made the seas. He's made the fish. He's made the plants and all this stuff. And now God is making man, all right? Would someone mind reading this for me? South Al, thank you. Let us make man in our, in our image, after our likeness, and let him have domination over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. Over the fish of the seas, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And behold, it was very good. Okay, so we see God has a mission even before the fall. All right, and we're going to look at some of the parts of this mission. Um, first, first thing we see here is that mankind is central in the mission. Um, you know, he he gives he doesn't give the birds and the fish he doesn't give them marching orders he doesn't give them like a mandate. 
He doesn't give them a mission, but he does give Adam and Eve a mission. And so we see that the mission involves God ruling creation through his people. So this term here um, that God created man in his own image. Some of you may have heard this term that you're made in the image of God. Does anybody, anybody have any like associations with that term? That you're, you're made in God's image? And his likeness, which is important to you. Bethany. Does it mean that like, we suck? <laughs> no, it means that our inherent value is because we're a reflection of who God is. Mm-hmm. God the creator. God who set all this into motion. Which means that there's something very special about humanity. Mm-hmm. There's, there's inherent dignity in every single human life. In addition to that, and it also means that we are, we're not God but we are like God. Like God is relational. That's why the Trinity matters. God's relational. Um, God, um, God is made, God kind of is creative. He makes things. God has a will. We have a will. God is intelligent. We are intelligent. So there are a lot of the things that are true of God are also true of us because we are made like him. Um, but here's something really interesting. When you see that we are made in the image of God, a person, an original reader of Genesis, when they would read the image of God, they would have had a different association than we do. Because uh, in, in this day and age, in the ancient Near East, if there was a king, the king had people who were his image bearers, who were, who were in his image. And so these people, let's pretend there was a king of the United States. The king of the United States would have image bearers, people in his image, who would rule different parts of the territory. And they were given the authority to um, to rule that territory, like you know, in in, in his name. So so basically, like the king says, all right, you're going to be the king of California, or sorry, you're going to be the vice regent or the image bearer of California. You're going to be the image bearer of Alabama, and I want you to govern that area. Okay, you're under my rule. Like I'm the king. I'm the king of the United States, but I want you to carry out things as I would, and, you know, consistent with my character, my desires in California, in Alabama. Well, same thing is true here with God. God is saying about humanity, you are my image bearers. You are my vice regents. And I'm sending you out into the world to to rule the world under my authority um, in the way that I would. Okay? And so that's how original readers would have would have read that. So, so that's the second thing. So the next thing we see is that the mission involves the increase of people. It says... Um, be fruitful and multiply. All right, so what do you, when he says multiply, what do you think he's talking about? Stand up, Lauren. Show them your stomach. <laughs> Having children, yeah. Procreation, so have, have babies. Um, and then being fruitful, what do you think that means to be fruitful? Like what are fruitful things that you may do on a, on a given day? Change a diaper, spend some time with somebody, work in your garden, go to your job, go to class, study, be encouraging, um, you know, uh, fix a meal, um, have lunch with some friends. Like these are all fruitful things, all right? And so, um, and so anyhow, so he, you know, part of it intends being fruitful and increasing the number of people. Also, it says that the mission involves all of the earth, okay? Now, this is starting in the garden, two people, 
you know, but the intention is he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Fill the earth. So God's intention is for people to span the whole earth, for there to be many nations. And then finally, the mission is physical, spiritual, social, relational, and personal. So um, it involves relationships with people. It involves us ourselves. It involves the created world. It involves relationship with God. Okay. And so this is, this is the beginning of the mission. And so the mission in one sentence. Can you go to the next slide? Great. Here's the mission in one sentence. This is a loaded sentence. But God desire, God's desire is for the entire world to be filled with people who know, love, and worship him as they cultivate and enjoy under his rule the physical creation as he originally intended. All right? So God's desire, let's break that down. God's desire is for people to have children, have families, to multiply, to, you know, to fill the earth, um, and, and, and to do the, and, and to cultivate and enjoy the earth and relationships, everything that he's created while they know and love and worship God, while they're in perfect communion, like perfect fellowship and relationship with God, um, as he originally, as he originally intended. All right. So God, so anyhow, so that's before the fall. Does anybody have any questions at this point? Students, tell me one aspect of God's mission before the fall. Okay, so to be in, in loving, worshipful relationship with God. Great. What's another aspect? To enjoy his physical creation. Yes, that's great. To enjoy his physical creation. Chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What else? Keep in mind, involves the entire world too. Fill the earth, and 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 at, at the creation as he originally intended. Okay, so now the fall, and things happen after the fall. Okay, so looking at our chart here, the fall has an impact on everything. Okay, when Adam and Eve sin, when man and God are separated because of sin. It affects the um, it affects the spiritual realm. It creates you know distance in our relationship with God. It puts us under God's judgment. Um, it introduces like we now have a sin nature. We naturally kind of rebel against God. That's why when when I tell Hutch don't do something, he inherently wants to do it. <laughs> That's why when I see the sign that says wet paint don't touch, I just there's something inside where I just want to. Touch that paint. <laughs> so those are the spiritual. Those are spiritual implications. Relational, uh, because of the fall, there's tension in relationships. There's there's meanness. There's backstabbing. There's violence. Um, there's isolation. There's hatred. There's racism. Those are those are all kind of a, a relational effects of the fall. Um, and uh, and then in terms of personal things like us being insecure or us not liking ourselves or Having a deep sense of inadequacy, um, you know, us thinking that our friends don't like us or there's something wrong with us—that's all an effect of the fall. Like, that's not how you're going to feel. That's not how Adam and Eve felt in the garden. That's not how you're going to feel in heaven. But that's an effect of the fall. There's there are physical implications. So there's there's death. There's sickness. There's cancer. There's pollution, like pollution 
and uh, you know poor use of resources, things of that nature, like that is a product of human sin. That's a product of us not being grateful, good stewards. Um, that's a product of greed. Um, that's a product of selfishness. And so the physical problems in the world, that's, a, that's, a, that's an effect of the fall. And then social. So things like injustice, exploitation, human trafficking, war, racism, poverty, these, are all, these all come out of the fall. So you can see that this problem is introduced. All right? And so the rest of the Bible is going to be about the same mission. God's desire is still that the whole world be filled with people who know and love and worship him and that they enjoy the creation as it's intended to be. Um, but because of sin, the approach is going to be different. And so, um, you know what? Let, so the, uh, uh, first off, is it, you know, everyone, uh, not everyone, you may know the story of Noah and the flood. Does anybody know that what, what, what God says to Noah right after the flood? I'll give you a hint. It sounds a lot like what he says to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful, multiply. Exactly. He says that. So what he says to Noah and his family is pretty much exactly the same as what he tells Adam and Eve. And that just you know, kind of reinforces that God's mission, he still has this vision of filling the world with people who know and love him for us to be fruitful and multiply. But here's the thing. Then we have Genesis chapter 12. This is the story of Abraham. Some people say this is the beginning of what you call redemptive history. Sorry, I know this is a lot of content. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the next slide is actually going to help us a lot. Um, you know what? Let's do the next slide and we'll come back to that, okay? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that? No, let's go back. Sorry. No, no, let's, let's go back to... Okay, great. Sorry, that's right. So Genesis 12. This is the Abrahamic covenant, all right? So Abram is the father of the Jews. He's, you know, one of the central characters in all the Bible, and, um, and so this is where God makes the Israelites his people. And he makes a promise to be their God. He's going to love them. He's going to forgive their sins. He's gonna, and so notice, look at how some of the similarities here between what God tells Adam and Eve, God tells Noah, and what God says to Abraham here in the Abrahamic covenant. He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. So he's saying, move out into the world, fill the world, right? and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, I will, and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you can see these similar themes here. of he's saying, go out. I'm going to, you're going to have, um, I'm going to make you a great nation. So they're going to be basically more people be fruitful multiply and he says i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing all right and so you know god blesses adam and eve with the garden he blesses them with each other he blesses them with a relationship with him so he gives them this blessing that they would be a blessing to the world okay so he says a similar thing here to abram he says I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing to the world. So you'll be a blessing to all the earth, to all the nations, all right? So you can see again this theme coming through. And so then when we're talking about Jesus, um, Jesus, um, so sorry, so in, in our chart here, 
we're talking about redemption. What you know, what what God talks to Abram about, what God talks to Noah about, what God promises David, he is all of this is pointing to Jesus, who's kind of the ultimate hero, who's going to address the problem. So can I have someone read Ephesians chapter one and then Colossians chapter one? And this is kind of a synopsis of God's mission in Christ. All right, uh, reader. Yes, Charlie, thank you. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, awesome. Sorry, let's take a quick... Yeah, read the second one if you don't mind, Charlie. Thank you. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Okay, great. All right, so so let, let's see here, guys. The problem. You know, we've talked about all the effects of the fall, the social effects, the physical effects, the relational effects, the personal effects. What do they all flow out of at the core? Warren, you said it earlier. What all the effects of the fall, what's the, what's at the bottom of the fall? Yes, it's man's broken relationship with God. And so, you know, God tells Noah, you know, be fruitful, multiply. God tells Abram, be a blessing. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. But they can't fix the problem. Like only God can fix the core of the problem, which is human sin, our broken relationship with God. We need to be reconciled. And so we see here in this text, Paul is giving just like a two-sentence or one-sentence synopsis of Jesus' whole mission. And Jesus' whole mission is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, to through him to reconcile to himself all things. So basically, a, a way to put that into layman's language, he's trying to undo all the effects of the fall, all the problems that came out of sin, and he's trying to reunite everything to God, trying to reunite humanity to God. He's trying to reunite the created earth to God. He's trying to, re- to reunite all you know, social, um, social groups and, and social constructs to God. So he's trying to fix the problem. And he has to, Jesus, because Jesus lived a perfect life, Jesus died on the cross, he addresses the heart of the issue, which is the broken relationship between man and God. He, he enables sinful man to be reconciled to a holy God by God's grace. All right? And so we see here that, you know, in him, we have redemption through his blood. So he's talking about to the people in the church. He's saying, like, we are, we, Jesus has reunited us. He's kind of fixed our big problem. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And he has made known to us the mystery of his will. He has shown us his desire. All right? His desire, which is according to his purpose, his mission, that he set forth in Christ. So Jesus is the Harry Potter. Jesus is the ultimate hero who fixes the problem as a plan for the fullness of time. Like this is his ultimate game plan to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. All right. And so with that being said, going back to our chart, we see that, um, we see that redemption, the fall after redemption, is... Um, the fall after redemption 
we can see some of the things that God's people are meant to do through the work of the Holy Spirit um, to uh, fulfill his mission. So let's see here. Do I want to go there yet? I don't want to go there yet. Sorry. Uh, will you go to the next slide? And so here's the thing. That is the, that Jesus, um, let me call a quick timeout. Does anybody have any questions here? Any questions? Any points of confusion? This is a lot of information. I know it's a lot of information. Mary Beth, do you have a comment? Any, any point of clarification? Yeah, we're in redemption. Yeah, we've talked about, um, you know, uh, we're talking about redemption through Christ. And now the next chapter in that, where, you know, where is Jesus now? Jesus is in heaven, right? And after Jesus goes up into heaven, what does God send down to the church? The Holy Spirit, Pentecost, right? And so now God is still working out his mission, but he's working out his mission through his people. This is consistent with the beginning. God's desire is to fill the earth, to rule through his people, people who are in his image. And so now that Christ has come and fixed the A-list problem, problem of sin, he is now carrying out that mission through his body, which we call the body of Christ is the, the church, right? And so, and he has given us the Holy Spirit to continue his mission, right? And so, going to the next slide, this is, if you grew up, oh no, I don't have the Great Commission in here. Oh, rats. Here. Here, I'll read the Great Commission. It's in my notes. Um, I'll tell you, would you pull it up on Bible Gateway, Lauren? It's uh, Matthew chapter 28. Sorry, on Bible Gateway, will you go to Bible Gateway and pull up Matthew 28? Mm, Not a Mac user. Here, do you want me to pull up? Yeah, yeah okay. Sorry. Page. I'm sure the people who are going to listen to this on the uh, on the web, on the podcast, they're going to be <laughs> wondering what in the world's going on. All right. Okay, will you put in Matthew 28, please? Yeah. Great Commission. Okay. So if you grew up Baptist, Great Commission is like drilled into your head every Sunday. If you grew up Episcopalian, this may be the first time you've ever heard of it. <laughs> but... um. But the Great Commission is like when Jesus, this is the end of Matthew, and Jesus is basically giving a mission to his people, to, to his disciples. And so at the end, um, at the end here, I got it, where this is enough. Uh, oh, good, good job. Way to go, honey. Um, there you go, the Great Commission. So now this is before Jesus ascends, before he sends the Holy Spirit, he's kind of giving the disciples the marching orders. And he says, and now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, like, I'm the head of the church. All right? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, And so here's the deal. God's original plan was to fill the earth with, uh, with image bearers who know and love and worship God. That is still his plan. But because of sin, that, that problem has been, um, the, the, the approach to that mission has been changed. And so now 
Um, why is it that making disciples? Why is it that making? How is it that making disciples is like his original intent of filling the earth with people who know and love and worship them? Which disciples will tell other people, and what will they tell people? Right, and disciples will help people understand, hey, like what you're meant for, what you're meant for is to be in relationship with God. And the reason you naturally can't be in relationship with God is because of your sin, but hey, there's good news. Jesus came. Jesus died for your sins so that you can be in relationship with God now and forever. You're made for a purpose. Like You're made to live for God's glory. You're made to, to work under the, under the authority of God to undo the effects of the fall. And so... Um, and so, yeah, so that's the starting point. Like, we could say to people, we could say to people, hey, go out there and fix um, social justice problems. Let's go out there and let's be good friends. Let's go out there and let's um, let's take care of the environment. Um, let's go out there and you know do all these kinds of things because what we're intended to do is we're intended to work under the authority of the Holy Spirit to undo all these bad things in the world. Um, and so, but here's the thing. If we don't first fix the original problem, the core problem for all of us, which is that we're separated from God, then none of it matters. It's, it's, and we're totally incapable of doing anything without the Holy Spirit and without being in communion with God because, we just na- because we're naturally sinful and we're naturally very limited. And so, um, and so with that being said, that's why the first thing Jesus says is make disciples. Help people understand that they're intended purpose is to live in communion with God, to love and worship God. And then out of that, let them know that they are made with a mission, like they are made with meaning, okay? And so um, and so, doing things like being a doctor who help, or a nurse or a PA or a nurse practitioner who helps heal diseases, being a person who researches, you know, uh, solutions for cancer, um, being environmentalist, being a person who works with the poor, um, being a person at high school who is kind to people who don't have any friends or who stands up to people who are being bullied, um, being a person who works in things related to social justice, being a person who prays for the nations. Like, this is all, like, you're living into your purpose. And 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 I don't know about you, but I, I know that I struggled to find a purpose going to school when I was, when I was in junior high and high school. It was just like, oh, I would be so depressed because it's like, why does algebra two matter? You know, why does chemistry matter? Right? Here's the thing: like the good, the really, really kind of exciting and inspiring thing is like, it's not about just going to school to be algebra. That's just the. I mean, it is important that you learn those things. I promise you, it'll help you when you're an adult. But uh, it's but it's also you're going to school to be a part of God's mission to to redeem the world, to undo the effects of the fall. So there is there's great purpose and meaning in everything that you do. And so, um, so with that being said, to finish that up, just a uh, just a couple of brief um, brief applications. First, our lives matter. I just covered that one. Second application is that um, local and global evangelism and discipleship are important. Like they're really important to help people to help people know that what they're made for is relationship with God. And to, and to help them understand how Jesus makes that possible. Uh, it's important to pray for, for, for missionaries. It's important to pray for that kind of work around the world. Third, um, 
that's not the only part of the mission. A lot of times people think that Christianity, like, oh, all that matters is we go tell people the gospel. That's not the only part of the mission. It's a huge mission. It's a huge mission that involves doing all kinds of things, things that I've mentioned today in terms of, like I said, social justice and helping the poor and and being a friend of the friendless, all those kinds of things, th- things related to the physical creation like environmentalism. We have the, 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 the executive director of the Black Warrior Riverkeeper. Like, that is part of the mission of God, right? And then... Um, and then your everyday calling in life is significant. Whether that's being a mom of small children, whether that's being a student, whether that's being an athlete, whether that's being a preschool teacher, whether that's being a computer programmer or a pastor, whatever it is. Like you're in life, your life is important and it has meaning. So, sorry, I just talked a ton. Do you have anything you'd like to throw in? Yeah, next week, two weeks from now, it's going to be the mission in the Old Testament. It's going to be really cool. But um, I'll uh, I'll pray for us and uh, we'll go. Jesus, thanks for loving us. Thank you for including us in your mission. And I pray, Lord, that we would have the kind of joy and excitement that comes with knowing that we're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, that we're a part of something that's, that's, uh, that matters to the entire universe and something that, that matters to you, um, the maker of heaven and earth. And so thank you, Lord. And Lord, we all have needs. You know those needs. And I pray you give us grace in this day um, that we might walk with you, abide in you, that we much, bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.